Hello and welcome to the Personal Development School podcast. I'm your host, Thais Gibson, and I create regular podcast episodes to teach you about your relationships, attachment style, and the subconscious mind. My goal of this podcast is to give you tools and awareness you need to thrive in your relationships, feel deeply connected, and find harmony and fulfillment in your relationships and personal life. So I hope you tune in here with me each and every week. I'm going to cover with you how having narcissistic parents or a narcissistic parent affects adult romantic relationships. Now, this is a video I had requested many, many times over from so many different individuals and really wanted to take the time to put this together. Quite honestly, this could probably be its own, you know, four hour video or something of that liking, but I will cover a few really key concepts and topics that are important to become aware of as it relates to attachment trauma. And one thing that's really important to keep in mind as I go throughout this video is that proximity to the narcissistic parent or parents will have a massive impact. So for example, if you had your primary caregiver being one parent and the other parent was a narcissist and maybe those two parents were divorced and you see that narcissistic parent once a month or once every couple months, or if you have two narcissistic parents, but at a young age, you went and lived with your grandparents, proximity will matter, right? Is it the primary caregiver or secondary caregiver? What is the proximity? All these things will play a role. But in this video specifically, I'm going to cover key themes that are important to pay attention to. And I think it's also important to really remember that you are not born with the impacts of this. These things get conditioned into you and imprinted upon the subconscious mind. And by the same token, these things can be reprogrammed or reconditioned. So if you see these patterns, you see some things you think are maybe not the best attachment style patterns to be carrying at a subconscious level, please keep in mind that these things can be transformed. So first and foremost, one of the biggest things that's likely to take place is if you have a narcissistic parent, there's generally gonna be a quite strong wound of feeling like you are unsafe. And this can be unsafe emotionally. This can be unsafe physically. And the really interesting thing about this is that you won't necessarily carry this with you at a conscious level. And in fact, often when I say this to individuals, oh, there's a subconscious wound or feeling unsafe, often people don't relate to it through observation of self. Often they actually relate to this through noticing their patterns of behavior. And I'm going to show you some examples of this. If you have a parent who is a narcissist, you may find that you go out of the way to be in control of your life so that nobody else can control it and you're left to feel unsafe or helpless. You may find as well that you um, are somebody who way over defends yourself. So let's say somebody cuts you off. You might overreact to that, over defend in an argument raise your voice, like have these sort of like over defensive responses. Um, and it's because of a, a core wound of feeling unsafe. You may be like, oh no, but I can take care of myself. I can protect myself. I know how to fight back and be strong, but it's like, why do you need to fight back so strongly? Right? Why are you not okay with just setting a healthy boundary and walking away and everything's good. And so there may be this over defensive response. Um, and you know, there's the I am unsafe core wound, the I am helpless core wound, this terror of being helpless in your life can be a very prevalent theme um, as, as the child of a narcissist. And um, 
at its core, there's also a lot of nervous system dysregulation. So um, more often feeling comfortable and familiar being in fight or flight mode, um, AKA sympathetic nervous system mode um, and finding yourself maybe in your adult life struggling with restlessness, having a hard time sitting still, um, having anxious thoughts a lot of the time, um, you know, finding yourself walking on eggshells in many different relationships and having this sort of background pressure of feeling like you always have to be on and ready to perform or achieve or all these different things that generally get conditioned in by a narcissistic parent because of the fact that the narcissistic parent often derives narcissistic supply from their child. Um, and I mean, this is where we could go into so many different um, videos about the golden child and the scapegoat and all these sort of different dynamics, but just at a high level here, first and foremost, generally because the narcissistic parent sees their children as an extension of themselves, um, there's a lot of polarity in how the narcissistic parent or parents view their children. Um, and there's often like a lot of pressure on the child to show up, perform, or behave a certain way um, because this is what the narcissistic parent um, sort of sees as a reflection of themselves. And if a child does something bad or wrong, um, that parent who whose entire personality is sort of architectured in a way to avoid their own feelings of deep embedded unconscious shame um, you know, what essentially takes place is that the parent does not want their child to be bad or do anything wrong because they will derive a sense of shame from that experience. I'll give you an example of this, not in a um, parent context, but um, I had a client once and um, she was dating a narcissist and they were together for like five or seven years or something. And um, I remember her saying that her partner was taking her to a work event at his workplace. It was like a Christmas party or something like that. And um, she had a pimple on her face. And the that partner said to her, um, she was like getting all ready and she came downstairs and her partner said to her, how could you do this to me? And <laughs> it's so funny to think about because it's like, what do you mean? Like a pimple, it happens. It's life. It's not about you. It's, it's, it's not like I intended to do that. And the narcissist got really mad and like uninvited her from the party and went without her and this whole thing, of course, all the chaos ensues. Right. But, um, there's this deep hyper-personalization that takes place and that's between partners. You can imagine that that may be even the next step greater in certain degrees with offspring, right? With children of narcissists. Um, so there's this big personalization around like grades and performance and like everything that sort of spills out in many different areas. Now, how that impacts the subconscious mind of a child is it sort of lays this landscape or foundation to feel this constant need to be on performing, achieving, afraid, or in other cases, um, if there's a lot of negative emotional associations over the over time, um, which often there would be, there can be a, a sort of breaking off because whenever we go through trauma, we tend to get into polarized outcomes. Either we really adapt and go along with trying to appease the situation that's creating the trauma as a form of relief, or we move in the polarized direction and rebel against the traumatic situation as a subconscious strategy for relief. So you'll usually see in this case, specifically as a child of a narcissist, you either are a high performer, high achiever, constantly putting pressure on yourself to show up and do all these different things, 
Or the flip side is that um, you break off into the opposite direction and you completely rebel against anything related to performance and achievement as a subconscious strategy to get away from all of that negative feeling of pressure. And so it can really go in either direction. Um, and just to be clear, this doesn't mean like every person who's a high performer or achiever has a narcissistic parent, but you know, it's not one of these things, but as you see all these things kind of going down the ladder combined, um, you'll see a lot more of these outcomes, right? So that's a huge piece. Um, another really big thing, and, and that really goes hand in hand, by the way, with a core wound of I am unworthy. It's very common to have an unworthiness core wound because if there's this constant insinuation of pressure, it's like you're never feeling as a child, like you are loved for just who you are or how you are, but instead what you do, how you perform, what you achieve. And so what you'll see here is if your baseline, like one of the biggest things that's talked about in conscious parenting communities is giving your child love for no reason. Because, you know, if your child's just sitting on the couch or they're just playing with their toys in the corner and you go up and you give them love. And if that's a pattern and a habit and a theme in your parenting, like what you're essentially doing is teaching that child, you don't have to be anything to receive love. I don't just give you love when you get a good grade. I give you love just because you exist. And that teaches an inherent sense of worthiness. And that's often quite present in securely attached families and with parents. And obviously some people just don't have the emotional literacy to like know these things or not taught these things growing up. But, um, you know, you can see the opposite of that by juxtaposition, right? You can see the opposite of what that would look like when um, instead that's not happening. And in fact, you know, instead you're seeing a lot of love giving given in conditional circumstances because of what you did, it's earned love. And so what that's, this does at the subconscious level of mind is it conditions this child to be somebody who feels like I have to constantly earn my love, earn my worth in every interaction that I have. And it brings this fragility into adult romantic relationships because it often perpetuates this theme that if I'm imperfect, if I show weaknesses, if I show flaws, if I let my guard down, if I'm not, you know, showing up in all these different ways, I lose my ability to be loved by my partner. And so there's this constant pressure that gets brought into adult romantic relationships as a byproduct of having this conditioned program. And what you'll see is um, not just this pressure that gets taken into relationships, but also this lack of feeling comfortable to be vulnerable, to show weaknesses, to show flaws, um, to, you know, relax, sit still, to have time to yourself, to be lazy in front of your partner, like all these different th themes will emerge and um, it creates a huge barrier um, when you go into the power struggle stage of a relationship, because so much of what's necessary to navigate that stage. So dating, then we've got honeymoon and power struggle stage. And then we've got other stages after that, but so much of what's necessary to move through that power struggle stage into the stability stage is being able to let your guard down, show your flaws, be vulnerable, share your needs, share your truth. And if that's not happening because you're unwilling to show anything, um, because you believe that then you lose worthiness of being loved and, and you, you know, that's going to destruct the relationship that you have that you're trying to hold on to, um, it actually does the opposite and often perpetuates the power struggle stage and sort of like elongates the power struggle stage overall. Um, so again, you can see some of these big themes in here. Some other big themes, um, and there's so many, like I feel like we could just make a whole course about this. We have a course, by the way, 
in the personal development school about overcoming narcissistic abuse. Um, so actually reconditioning so many of the different programs and patterns dealing with complex grief, grieving the relationship to yourself that's off, that, that often gets fragmented um, as a result of trying to be in connection to a narcissist. Um, there is a focus on like the romantic relationship aspect, but definitely focus on like all relationships will be brought in there and um, reconditioning the patterns at the root that are caused is very much a huge theme of that course. You can check that out for free for seven days using the link below. Um, but some other big themes are trust. Um, because there's this constant having to walk on eggshells and because of the unpredictability of the narcissistic parent, um, just like any other form of trauma, um, there tends to be this huge, like, who am I getting today kind of theme? Because we know, right, the narcissist and their relationship to themselves is what gets projected onto everybody around them. And the narcissist generally in relationship to self is either on this sort of high or this low. Um, and, and so that experience gets projected onto everybody around them. And as a child, um, there's this sense of like, well, who am I getting? And trust is based on, I like to call the three C's of trust and it's congruency, um, consistency. So what you say and how you behave align is congruency. I say, I'm going to be there for you. Then I show up for you. I don't say, oh, I love you. And then do unloving things. I don't say I'm going to be there for you and then betray you, right? Like congruency, consistency. So I show up across time consistently and consideration, the ability to consider your feelings, your needs. So trust is a huge theme because there will be often a lack of those three C's with a narcissistic parent and um, this really deep, empowering, not empowering, excuse me, powerful, this deep, powerful, I don't know, like another word for it, like profound um, feeling of being unseen um, that goes hand in hand with a lack of consideration. And it's because unfortunately the narcissist sees the child as that extension of themselves. They don't see the child as their own individual with their own programming, their own needs. And the narcissistic parent, you know, that individual is going to see everybody as a character in their story, right? So they're going to see everybody as like, um, you should behave the way I expect you to behave at all times. And when you don't, we have a problem. Instead of like, oh, obviously I would have preferences that people are there to meet my needs if I would like them to be. But I also understand that every individual has their own life, their own programming, their own um, hierarchy of needs in the relationship to themselves, their own fears, their own wounds. And I can see that. And I can see when that's activated in somebody and I can take that into consideration. And so an example of this could be, let's say there's a child um, who has some sort of um, fear of abandonment, right? Maybe we'd have a narcissistic parent and this could be like, you know, many parents, it wouldn't have to just be a narcissist. This could be somebody who just struggled with emotional literacy, had their own conditioned trauma passed down. But we can see the parent, um, you know, maybe a child has a fear of abandonment and it's a little boy and he says to his parent, like, oh, I'm afraid of going, you know, um, to summer camp. And, you know, the narcissist might be like, you know, just actively shame the child for that, right? Oh, you're being weak. This is embarrassing. Don't embarrass me. Like these sorts of dynamics. And, you know, what a healthy situation would be, would be to validate the child's feelings, you know, still say, hey, let's try this. You can do it. Encourage the child, show them how they are strong and they can go to summer camp. But often there's this like, 
total lack of seeing, hearing, understanding, empathizing with validating that child's needs because that person is so preoccupied by their own suffering, their own trauma. And at the end of the day, anybody who's got narcissistic personality disorder or is really high along the narcissistic spectrum. I mean, there's a lot of complex trauma that that person in and of themselves has experienced at a deep level and is sort of driving their behaviors and actions. And um, by no means am I saying, oh, that's okay that they treat their child like that in any sort of way. Um, but it's also helpful to remember that if you are the child of, of a narcissist so that there's the ability to not personalize it so deeply, right? The, this trauma wasn't because you're so unworthy or you're so not good enough or you're so weak or shameful. It's because that person who was a huge role in establishing your programming had so much of their own complex trauma that trauma just gets passed down. I mean, trauma is very generational. You can almost think of trauma as like contagious in a way because it spreads so easily, right? And And especially between um, you know, an adult and, and a child. And so, um, you'll see a lot of these themes, but it's important to remember, like, if that was you at summer camp or whatever it might be, like, it wasn't that you were weak. It was that, um, the narcissist had shame. It was projecting onto you, right. That was being projected onto you. So anyways, just important themes. Um, there's a few other huge things. So a huge wound of feeling unseen, not empathized with, um, uh, some, some big guilt and shame wounds will be quite common because often there's a lot of guilt tripping in narcissistic relationships, shaming again, because of that extension of fearing shame that the narcissist has so deeply. Um, there's also a huge theme of believing that relationships are a power struggle because the narcissist tends to rule by wanting to have power over everything around, um, because that's how the narcissist comes to feel safe when they're struggling with such a lack of safety in the relationship to themselves and others first. And there's such a conditioned fear that they can't be vulnerable. And so when we believe that we can't be vulnerable and share our truth and open up and we believe that it's weak to show our feelings or weak to need somebody or to want to rely on someone or to express ourselves, then the inevitability is that everything becomes a power struggle from that point forward. And so often if you are conditioned to see that and because the child and the narcissist themselves will often go through a power struggle in their relationship, it's very common that the child of a narcissist grows up to feel like relationships are only ever a power struggle and this war on control rather than shared control between two parties that's rooted in a, a mutual supportiveness um, and seeing and hearing and understanding each other and, and deriving that sense of mutual support. And so that will be another huge theme. I mean, there's so much we could go into here. I, I'll probably just make a course just about this at some point. Um, but again, the, the overcoming narcissistic abuse course will be really helpful as a starting point. Um, and then a huge fear of being weak, um, vulnerable, um, exploited, taken advantage of, and major boundary issues as well. Um, because often if you try to set boundaries as a child, you'll be made to feel like your nose get punished. Um, and so you'll see your boundaries as unsafe, um, worthy of rejection, you know, punishment. Um, and so there will be this fear of having those boundaries in one's adult life. So, um, these are some major themes. We could go so much more into this, but I had so many requests about this over time. So I was like, I'll just put together a fairly big video about it, but let me know any other questions or comments you have below. 
um, and any other content you want to see about these types of dynamics, um, happy to create it. So thank you so much for watching. Um, please like, share, and subscribe if you haven't already. And um, keep in mind too, these things are reconditionable. <laughs> I made up that word, but um, these things can be changed.